Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do? Lick your mark. Alright, Tim, this is our first ever in-person recording. Uh, so shout out to all the fans that have listened to the past 45 episodes. Those have all been virtual. I moved to Charlotte, so me and Tim were recording uh, in person. And uh, we're going to do a rare, Tim's actually going to take the lead here for probably the next about four minutes. He has a story to tell us of an encounter he had uh, yesterday. So let's let's take the lead, Tim. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, you know, I work at a car wash. It's like very close to my residence. Uh, and I get a call, like a frantic call around four o'clock yesterday. And my man calls me. He's like, yo, Miles Bridges just pulled up to Autobound, man. You got to come. And, you know, didn't even have time to throw my socks on. Just got out of the house. Just drove as fast as I could. Maybe ran a couple red lights. And I pull in. I'm very excited. I'm, like, running up there. I'm out of uniform, looking like a total nerd. And uh, I cross the corner to where the customers sit and uh, see two very familiar faces. It's not Miles Bridges. It is the Martin Twins. Uh, anyone that's listened for a long time knows that uh, we've had somewhat of a sordid history with the Twins. But uh, this was an important thing. I came there ready to ask them about Malik Monk. And uh, so I had to butter him up real quick. And just shamelessly was like, Cody, Caleb, man, y'all are like my two favorite players on the Hornets. Oh my god, I've been following you guys since you went to NC State. Go Wolfpack, man. You work in Nevada. was unreal. Like, man, I just... If anything happens next year, I just hope that you two are on the team. I love y'all. And they were like... Yeah, just totally totally (laughs) full of shit. Just greasing them up. And then they're like... Once they, like, drop their guard a little bit, I was like, yo, so what happened with Malik Monk? (laughs) (laughs) They just kind of looked at me. You know, they were just honest. They were like, hey, you know what? Malik got a good opportunity. We still love him. Uh... You know, they were super cool. They were just like, you know, we got a better deal. And then I was like, okay, uh, so who's the hardest player in the NBA to guard? Like, I wasn't asking them <laughs> anything about themselves. Like, I was a total dick. Um, but, yeah, you know, if anyone wants to know, uh, they both answered the exact, like, in unison without even, like, looking at each other. And they were just like, well, definitely Luka Doncic. They were just like, man, Luka's insane. They were mm. like, he's so physical, can't do anything about it. Trey Young can't guard him. And then, like, they both kind of looked around for a second, and they were like, Russell Westbrook. Mm. Like, those were, like, the three hardest. And I was like, man, Russell Westbrook. That's, like, kind of surprising. And then I went back and thought about, you know, our last game of the season against them. And I was like, oh, yeah, Russell Westbrook just bullied the shit out of all of our guards mm. for the entire game, just posted him up. So, yeah, then I also just, I lost all sense of pride and, uh, yeah, just had no problem shamefully asking for a picture as a grown man. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, hey, man, you know, if it's not too much to ask, if you guys don't mind, you care if I get a picture? And so we got a picture and then we talked for another couple minutes and they were like, so uh, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I work here. And they were like, well, you're not in uniform. And I was like, yeah, I was just around. I was just in the area. <laughs> <laughs> So once I got my Malik Monk intel, so all Hornets and Heartbreak fans know that our blessed, sacred son, Malik Monk, is doing well, and he is happy, and that's all that matters. That's right. And uh, if you want to see that picture, you can go follow us on Instagram, at Hornets Podcast, or Facebook, at Hornets Podcast, uh, and you'll see Tim with both the Martin twins. Uh, they are tall. Tim is short. It works for a funny picture. Uh <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, it, it works out because, you know, I look as good as my voice sounds. So, That's right. Know, no one will be disappointed. That's right. Uh, so, moving on from there, dude, we uh, posted that picture at like 12 o'clock p.m. today on Instagram. And at like 11.50, Caleb Martin got waved by the Hornets. Um, so, pour one out for this mediocre Hornets player. Pour one out for our boy Caleb, Tim's new best friend. Uh, it is, it's a sad sight to see, except not, not that much. Um, the Martin twins last year, you know, they played some valuable defensive minutes for us, but on the whole, it was pretty hard to watch them, especially when they were taking minutes from Malik Monk early in the year and from like other players that we wanted to see playing. Um, but yeah, Caleb no longer on the team. We'll see if Cody Martin sticks around, but, uh, Caleb not on the team anymore. What do you have to say, Tim? Um, you know, I definitely hated them when they were blockading Monk, but, you know, I got some therapy, I looked at myself, and, uh, I got real. It's, it's not their fault that Malik had his issues, uh, and I did kind of come around on them about 40 games into the season. That's true. I, I had a begrudging respect, and, uh, you know, after yesterday, yeah, they're, they're now my second and third favorite, uh, <laughs> ex-Hornets after Malik Monk. Come on, bro. Those have always been my boys, my dudes. I mean, they're going to play in the league at least eight years. They got that type of ability. Uh, no, but, you know, I do, I do hope that, I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb does end up getting picked up by another team. Would you not be surprised? Who do you think, <laughs> who do you think? Hey, there's a lot of teams and a lot of open spots, man. I don't know. Maybe Malik has enough pool with the Lakers that he can get him there. Um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't know. But let's get into the more uh, valuable players that we also lost. So since we last recorded, we've lost Malik Monk, Devonte Graham, and Cody Zeller. Also, uh, Malik Monk, Tim's favorite player, signed a minimum contract with the Lakers. Devontae Graham signed for four years, $47 million with the Pelicans, and Cody Zeller also a minimum. Um, what do you think about those three? To me, we were talking about this before the uh, podcast started, Malik Monk on a minimum and Devontae Graham four years, 47 is pretty wild. Um, and it's wild that you know we couldn't re-sign, re-sign Malik Monk because, uh, I mean, yeah, just him getting that contract. Obviously, he wants to play, like, or, like players want to play for the Lakers, so they'll take a little bit less money. But even like what, like one year five million we couldn't do. We uh, we couldn't do like two years twelve million. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean that's a, that seems like it would have been a great deal to me. Um, Devontae Graham, I probably wouldn't have wanted to pay him that much. Um, so I think I'm more fine with that deal. Good for Devontae, he's getting paid. Uh, and Cody Zeller, it was time for him to go for sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we only care about Malik leaving. It's obviously the saddest <laughs> thing that could have happened. Um, no, you know, I'm, I'm happy. He actually kind of did a little parting shot at the Hornets as well. Uh, in his first, like, real press with the Lakers, he was like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, was a little tired of just being on such a young team, irresponsible guys. And, like, I love Malik, but it's like, you're, you're the youngest and most irresponsible guy on the team. Like... <laughs> What do you think? Like it's gonna be a good time to just hang out with Trevor Ariza and his kids? Like, <laughs> like you know, it's not gonna be. You know, we're not gonna slander Malik. We will never do that. Still, my favorite player in the league to this day. Um, the Cody signing, I actually really like for uh, Portland. I just thought like it's not super exciting, but I think he's like a perfect, you know, Yosef uh, Nurkic insurance clause. I think that you know they could even do some things switching with Cody. Cody's proved to be. Uh, excellent at that. And if Dame Lillard was upset playing with Mason Plumley, 
On the pick and roll, just wait until he plays with Cody Zeller, who fumbles every pass and almost breaks his neck every time he drives. Yo, if Cody Zeller is one of the best screen setters in the league, though, <laughs> I mean, Dave's going to get a lot of open threes. I don't know. I don't know. It might work out. Back to that Malik Monk point of him being super young, I just want to point out the Lakers have, like, an incredibly old team. Malik Monk might be, like, the literal youngest person uh, on that team. Taylor Horton Tucker. Right. But, yes, other than that, yes, it's like... I think Kendrick Nunn is like 25 going on 26, Monk is 23, Tucker is 21, I believe, and then everyone else is 30 and up. Yeah, yeah, they have a very, very old team. I think the average age is super high next season, even older than like last season. They just keep getting older. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was, you know, I've, I've kind of like, the writing's been on the wall with Malik, I would say, really like all of last year, even. Kupchak didn't draft him, you know, obviously he had his off-court issues, and you know, he just, he was very vocal in the press about, yeah, it's kind of wanting a role, wanting to contribute, and I think the Lakers are kind of a perfect spot for him. LeBron's a very demanding guy to play with, like, I know Jay Crowder hated it, but Monk, especially in LA, seems like a textbook, he's going to become overrated, like a year from now, they're going to be like, oh my god, remember what Malik Monk did to the Blazers in round two? Oh man, they're going to be going crazy. I think that's a great opportunity for him to shine. And like, you know, as someone who is very lenient with Malik Monk, I would say, if he does flame out of the Lakers, it's a pretty bad look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd think that he would be able to just stand in the corner and catch some passes from LeBron. If he can shoot 40% from three again, then that's, that's going to be awesome for him. Uh, he's not going to be asked to do too much. Um, whereas on the Hornets, maybe at times he was, um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that works. I am sad to see Malik go. Um, but like you said, I think the biggest thing was just like Kupchak didn't draft him. So he was sort of in a weird spot where he was like drafted right in between the Rich Cho firing and Mitchell Kupchak getting signed signed. Uh, and so like, he didn't really belong to like this new core of players. It's actually one of the most tenured players on the team last season behind Zeller and Biombo, right? Um, which is crazy. But yeah, so he just didn't really fit in with like the younger group and he could never really find like a defined role. He wasn't the sixth man. Um, and at times, at times he lost minutes to the Martin Twins, as we mentioned. So hopefully he succeeds with the Lakers. Devontae Graham, uh, the Pelicans are getting a lot of shit from a lot of like NBA media people for signing him to that contract. Um... You know, I think he's a good player, but I, I see where people are coming from on that. I'm not sure I would have done that kind of deal for Devontae Graham with the other guards. Like, Dennis Schroeder still hasn't been signed. No. Yeah, like, what is he going to get? You know what I mean? Like, and, and obviously, I'd rather have Dennis Schroeder than Devontae Graham. No offense to Devontae Graham. But, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of deal he's going to get. But you would imagine it'd be something, like, kind of similar, right, at this point. Uh, I would think, I mean, but we were really, we were the last team to have, like, true cap space. Obviously, you know, there's yeah. always gymnastics you can do, kind of like, you know, make a right. trade here and there. Uh, yeah, the grand thing, uh, alright, so, let's just be real. Now that he's not on the team, guys, uh, can we stop pretending like Devontae Graham was just some great player? I've never seen a 5'11 point guard that had a 10 point swing on defense. Maybe there was just unrealistic shooting. From opponents. Uh, Devontae Graham, very good shot maker. But listen, at the end of the day, he's the, this generation's DJ Augustine. He can't create his own shot, can't create for others. Uh, he has that extremely high assist to turnover ratio. Guess what? Because he only makes safe passes. He can't pass over anyone. He just makes a slip pass to PJ three times a game and never passes the ball otherwise. So yeah, 
The assist turnover ratio is going to be there. He shot 70% of his shot from the three-point line. And, you know, he's just a streaky shooter. He's not a knockdown shooter. Um, I'm happy that he got paid. I hope that he works out for the Pelicans. But I'm honestly not that sad that I don't have to watch uh, Devontae Graham next year. Sorry for the double negative. Okay, so I uh, love Devontae Graham as a person. And anytime there's a short player on an NBA team... They're, like, so lovable, and it really doesn't matter, like, how good they actually are. Um, and I'm thinking about, I'm about to make this comparison. Know that I'm not comparing, like, two players saying they're actually, like, similar in their abilities. But Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics, like, he was beloved, right, for that one year. And it's like, you knew that you weren't actually going to win the finals. Like, nobody actually thought the Celtics were going to make the finals that year, except maybe Celtics fans. But he, you know, was a great story, very fun to watch. Devontae Graham is that, like, the, the light, super light version, right? Like, like you love watching him play. It's fun to watch him. It's good to see him succeed. But also, he's short. And also, he's not that great, right? Uh, he's he's at, the, at the most, like, a, like a six-man coming off the bench for scoring. Um, and, yeah. Like, I, I, liked, I liked watching him play um, probably more than you did. But I'm not that sad to see him go, especially with that, with that contract. I don't think it's that big of a deal. We have we have Book coming in. Uh, for those of you the uninitiated might not know, his nickname is Book Book James Book Knight, uh, the new Devin Booker. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. AKA Bitch Body Book. No, 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 until no, no, he puts no, no, on. no, 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 no. That's not that's not his nickname. It's Book. It's Book. No, it is. It is Book. It's Book and Mellow. Um. Yeah, I have to say, I'm, I'm a little disheartened by just losing both of our backup guards, who I think were both above average backup guards. Um, and people will say, well, it wasn't for nothing. We got a first-round pick from New Orleans. We got a lottery-protected first-round pick from a bottom 6-7 team in the West. Like, best-case scenario for us and for them next year is like a 7th seed if Willie Green and Mike D'Antoni are just that great at coaching. But other than that, I'm not I'm not super excited about that. Uh, the protections haven't come out. I assume it'll flip over to two unprotected uh, second round picks next year. Uh, so yeah, I don't think that's a great return for two you know six men, seventh men guards. I don't love that, and I do worry about Book's ability to come in next year and just replace uh, what they did. Okay, I just randomly thought of this, but dude, do we have nobody on our team who's been on our team for more than like three seasons? Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges the is the tenured longest player. tenured player. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, that is insane. Holy shit. Miles Bridges is like the legitimate veteran on the team. He's been with the Hornets the longest out of anybody. Cody Zeller is gone. Bismack Biombo has been with the Hornets for uh, like or the Shroud franchise for the most seasons, but not for the most consecutive seasons. So you are saying that Big Jim... James Perego is our Greg Popovich, and LaMelo is our Tim Duncan. And this is where we start. Miles Bridges is the David Robinson. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> all right, I'll be, I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, player retention, generally. Uh, players are not staying on teams very long these days, <laughs> huh, Tim? No, no, they're not. And I've seen, yeah, like, Hornet fans are like, well, you know, we had to let go of Monk and Graham because... PJ and Miles, they're coming up for extensions. It's like, hey, guess what, guys? Just in the same reason we should draft a small forward pretty much every draft, PJ Washington's not getting a max. Yeah. Miles Bridges might get a max. 
but like might. PJ Washington, like, you know, that's not someone that you set aside a franchise for, like, you know, to pay Malik Monk 10 million a year. Like, that's a movable deal. Uh, so yeah, the, the player retention stuff, I've seen that kind of come out. It's like, Hornets fans, aim higher. It's okay. Like, Sam, like I know the Lakers fans were complaining about this with Caruso this week. Like, as good as all those signings were, they could have kept Caruso. It would have just been more money for the owner. At the end of the day, guys, never cry pity for billionaires. Mm. And if these guys end up having to pay, you know, 1.2 cents on the dollar, uh, you know, after the luxury tax, that's fine. And, you know, it wouldn't have hard-capped us. Like, we wouldn't have been, like, in any tough spot. So, yeah, I mean, like, we, we could have kept... Graham and that I get cool. It's a good thing, like as far as cup check in relation to agents, to let a player go like that. Same thing with Graham, like that will help us down the line, but a little ugly right now. Yeah, and we we definitely could have kept Malik Monk. I'm almost positive of that. If we had if we had wanted to, no. Uh, no, we we could have yes, but yeah. now we uh, I mean you know if it was up to me, if I was Mitch Kupchak, I'd probably get Lamelo out of town. He's oh a bad God. apple. Right. Miles Bridges taking really too many looks. I mean, just make it Monk's team. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the positive uh, aspects of free agency. So until what was it two nights ago, we had a pretty somber outlook on the uh, Hornets next season, and then we signed Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that. Like, he's not the most efficient player in the world. Um, he shot 31% from three last year, uh, 52% from two, and he's never shot more than 35% from three. So that's not great, but, and he can't really pass either. He also only averaged 1.3 assists last season, (laughs) but he gets, he gets buckets though, Tim. He gets buckets and he dunks the ball. And we literally have the best dunking team in, I mean, in the NBA for sure. Uh, we got Kai Jones, we got Miles Bridges, and we now have Kelly Oubre Jr. We also have perhaps the most attractive team Ooh. in the NBA with Kelly Oubre Jr. and LaMelo Ball. All right. We have a lot of young players. Kelly Oubre Jr. is now like well, like a third or fourth oldest dude on our team. <laughs> Uh, in 2026 20, or 25. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. He has not averaged less than 15 points per game in the past three seasons. So he, he, he can put up some points. We need him to be a little bit more efficient for us, but I think he fits in well with like the, I mean, we're going to be one of the best transition teams in the league next season for sure, if not the best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was the first thing that popped into my head uh, when I heard that we, we were signing Kelly. Um, I'm salivating over the potential lineup. I doubt, like, without injuries, this would ever happen. But LaMelo at the one, Terry at the two, Kelly at the three, Miles at the four, and Kai Jones at the five. Um, I'm pretty much going cross-eyed just thinking about it. My God. I mean, granted, it's all, uh, you know, based on us actually getting a stop on defense with that lineup. But, whoo, if we just get one of them. I mean, that is a track team out there. And, yeah, as you said with Kelly... Yeah, Kelly's not going to have 62% true shooting. He's not going to be the most efficient. It's fun. It's fun. It's just a good time. It's a little bit of Gordy insurance. Like, maybe if PJ, like, really takes another slide, he can, like, slide into the backup four. Like, it's just solid. And, yeah, he's on a two-year, $26 million deal. Uh, that might sound high, you know, based on, like, five years ago. But now, like, that is, like, less than the average starter salary. 
Right. Like an average starter makes around 15 to 17 million a year. So at 13, that's perfectly fine. It's a movable contract if it is just a train wreck. And uh, it could possibly be a train wreck because Kelly is known to be a massive head case. Yeah, so like um, with the Warriors, he when he, when he left, he was quoted as saying like he just felt like he was being kept in a box uh, on the Warriors. And you were telling me earlier like one game – he went back to the locker room and like Steve Kerr was like, oh, you're going to come off the bench next game. And Kelly Oubre was like, nah, I'm Kelly Oubre. I'm not coming off the bench. And then Clay Thompson came in and was like, yeah, you're Kelly Oubre, dude. Andre Iguodala came off the bench for us. You're coming off the bench. You're Kelly Oubre. Uh, and so things did not end well in Golden State. And it's funny because he, he was maybe coming off the bench in Golden State, and he's probably coming off the bench for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. He's not going to be the face of the team. Um, like he's a good player, maybe more like on paper than he is in real life. Cause like he has all these like skills, um, but maybe his mindset's not there. Um, and maybe he wants to take too many shots, uh, on the team. And we don't really need that. We need, we need him to be off ball. We don't even be dominating the ball. The other thing is like, he dribbles way too much, um, for a player that can't pass. Um, so he needs to just accept his role with us, which not sure that's going to happen. It could be a train wreck, like you're saying. It also could work beautifully. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. You said uh, can't pass the ball. Uh, I want to lay it out. We've had discussions about this on a couple pods throughout uh, our time. If you were on the 2017 Warriors, they would be a worse team, but you would average two assists a game. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's one thing you definitely got over Kelly. Uh, got to respect that. And I remember uh, this is like one of my uh, favorite things in the league is when a player just kicks the crap out of another team like in the regular season then he ends up getting signed with that team. And uh, we were looking over the numbers before we started the pod Kelly averaged uh, 26 points a game against the Hornets last year. Uh, what, on like about 60% shooting? Yep. Uh, and he had that one first quarter against us where he had like six dunks. Yep. And uh, yeah, just didn't miss in the first half. And I remember like texting Mark and just being like, ah, see this. If Miles Bridges could just be Kelly Oubre, think how much better we could be. And then Miles like turned it on and like really like developed as a player over the next like 10, 20 games. And I was very embarrassed. He read he read that text, dude. I sent it to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. Yeah, so Kelly Oubre, when we saw him last year, was pretty sick. And then you start diving a little bit deeper. Maybe you get a little bit less excited, but overall I'm still excited. Like as a as a sixth man, again on paper, he's pretty good. Um, and like you said, he's good Gordy insurance. Like if Gordon Hayward gets hurt this year, it won't really be that big of an issue. Like, I mean, he can just slide right in and people, some people on like uh, social media were concerned about him, like fitting in with lineups. I don't really think it's a problem. Uh, he can play multiple positions. That's one good, good thing about him is he can play the two, he can play the three, he can play the four. It's probably naturally a three. Um, and like, you know, Terry can slide over to point guard if he needs to, um, you know, we have pretty flexible players in terms of positions on our team. Like the most locked in player is like Gordon Hayward needs to be a three. That's like pretty yeah. much it. It's like yeah. him and like Plumley. Like Plumley yeah. is like a straight five, and even like yeah, I guess like you know he played like a little bit of four like defensively with yes. uh, mm-hmm. with them. But yeah, like you know I would expect you know that was a couple years ago. So yeah, no, I think it's very exciting. I think that you know for a small market team, just getting a guy like and granted it's because Ubre is a head case and his market dried up because he was asking for too much. But like hey, that worked out for us. 
I mean, worst case scenario, this kind of scares me. Shades of Lance Stevenson. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we got Spencer Hawes out of Lance Stevenson. So, I mean, <laughs> that definitely works out. But no, that's worst case scenario. I think we'll be very good. And again, like, you know, the East just is getting better and better. Uh, joking about this, too. It's like, man, we finally start making the right moves. And, like, you know, we had maybe the most talented roster we've had since uh, 2016. And we're probably going to be, like, the ninth seed. I would, uh, I would bet based on that. But that's not a problem. Like, you know, at a certain point, we're having an exciting team. And Kelly has some overlap with Miles Bridges. I think at this point, Miles Bridges is more talented. I think he's proven himself to be a better shooter, a uh, slightly better handle, definitely a better playmaker. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if we have both of them on the wings, that's just a great interchangeable lineup. And uh, Kai Jones. <laughs> Good transition. Uh, uh, no, uh, I, want, I want to bring this up real quick. What what do you think his ranking is in terms of popularity of NBA players? Um, out of like just any, any NBA player currently, he's the like just guess. I'm I'm not. There's not like an objective ranking. Uh, objective ranking. Uh, I'd say he's probably like 47. Yeah, yeah. Like he, so he has two million followers on Instagram. I just looked it up. But, like, in terms of people who don't watch basketball at all, they probably know who Kelly Oubre Jr. is more than, like, Chris Middleton. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, Ke- yeah, my, my girlfriend, like, you know, Caitlin's Corner, she knows who Kelly Oubre is. And that's that's wild, because he's, he's, like, the sixth best player on the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I, love but- <laughs> I love that, you know, Kelly was drafted to those, like, overrated Wizards teams with Bradley Beal and John Walton. They used to wear black to their games against the Celtics. Like, it's a funeral. And they were like, John Wall said for years, him and Kelly, they were like, man, if, like, we just got the chance to face LeBron and the Cavs, we'd be trouble for him. And then you look and you're like, you guys won 42 games. Like, no wonder <laughs> Kelly Oubre thinks he's a starter on the Warriors. Like, yeah, you guys are fucking delusional. <laughs> but, you know, we love it. That's yeah. entertaining. Yeah, we, we, need, we need that kind of energy here in Charlotte. I don't know, man. I think him and Lamelo get along, dude. They'll do like a like an IG live collab or something like that, dude. I don't you really know, know how I, that works, I, but I'm excited because I was talking myself in like six hours before we signed Kelly. I was like, you know, I think Lori might be the missing piece. I was like, oh, Lori marketing that—that'll be really cool. I was like, we can have Vucevic that doesn't have any of the on on ball skills, so that'd be great. So Kelly, I think, is a big upgrade from Lori marketing. Yeah, so it's good that you bring that up. I think that it is a better signing than Laurie Markkinen, actually, um, because if you sign, you you brought up earlier that you were pretty bummed about losing Devontae and Malik Monk in terms of like guard depth, and that would be a bummer if we hadn't signed Kelly Oubre Jr., who can like sim, uh, simulate some of the guard skills that they have, right? Like he he's somewhat of a guard. Um, he's more like I said, more of a three, but yeah, he's he's got some guard skills. So uh, getting him is a little bit of insurance. Like we don't have to worry about playing Ish Smith too much. Um, and that's a good transition to talking about that signing. Um, so he's played with Washington the past couple of years. Has played now for 12 teams in the NBA. He is just... He's your backup point guard's favorite backup point guard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's what he is. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's going to give you some solid minutes. He's better than Brad Wanamaker. Um, and... He'll he'll slide in for like ten solid minutes off the bench, maybe fifteen, and he'll give you what 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 you uh, came to watch, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Tim's more high on this signing than I am. I don't really give a shit about it, honestly. I am, yeah. Honestly, we're like in a little like Hornets group message, and 
someone uh, messaging, we signed Ish Smith. And I unironically was like, let's fucking go. I thought that was a joke. Yeah, and yeah, like, I, I talked to Mark the next day. He's like, oh, that was pretty funny. I was like, nah, that was, that was totally genuine. I like, he's, he's a classic, that guy's going to play in the league eight years. Like, he has skills. Like, what he has, he can't shoot. He can't really finish in the paint. He can run a pick and roll. He can handle the ball. He's not going to get pressured. Um, similar to... Uh, was that 2017 when we just fell apart because we didn't have a backup for Kemba? He is like the perfect placeholder. Like he's not going to be here more than two years, but in those two years, our bench will just you know maintain you know like probably like a point oh one point differential, and that'll be fine. If with the starters, he'll be like a good guiding force for Kai Jones. He'll get PJ the ball if he's coming off the bench. Like he's he's just perfectly perfectly solid. I was maybe a little too excited, but yeah, he's the true point god from Wake Forest. Yeah, solid third string point guard. Um, <laughs> so you want to talk about the the like NBA generally real quick about like just free agency in general and like teams that we think got better, teams that we think got worse, specifically in the Eastern Conference. So like. I feel like every year, just as a general point, every year everyone's like, dude, the East got so much better. And I'm just like, bro, they just like moved players around from different teams. Like the East did not get that much better this season. I think people were just like excited about new possibilities, specifically with the Bulls. I don't think the Bulls are that good. Ugh. No. The Bulls not only do I like I think they're like wildly overrated. Yeah. It's kind of become like almost like five years ago everyone would have just like shit all over this team, but now like bloggers are getting like very cute and be like well you actually don't understand how good DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic can what are we, be what are we doing dude yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like what are we doing like and I just I thought to myself I was like you know what I was like I was taking a walk I was despondent about losing mug I was like man like the Hornets are doing the Hornets and then I saw like DeRozan three years 85 million I was like Thank God we are not the Bulls, baby. Things could be much, much worse. They are hopeless. Like, maybe, like, their best case scenario, if, like, half the East gets injured, like, they're they're going to slide into, like, the four seed this year. And it's like, DeRozan's 31, very prime on athleticism. Vucevic, 31, has, you know, cement feet as is. It's like, that team is different. Even Caruso. Yeah. Is old and completely dependent on athleticism. And now we have to lie and pretend like, oh, man, you didn't really watch the NBA if you don't understand how good Lonzo Ball's gotten since he left LA. It's like, drum roll, please. He can't run a fucking pick and roll. He's not that good. Like, he's a help defender as a point guard. Fuck him. Yeah, so earlier to Tim in the pre show meeting, I, I said specifically, like, dude, why do we have to lie to ourselves and pretend like Lonzo's good? Why is he getting paid? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they saw a little Melo season. They're like, "Oh, it's another ball brother." Like that's literally what happened. Uh, I mean, he's he's a decent player, but like, what? He's the third best player on the Pelicans who didn't make the playoffs. Like, why are we signing him to this deal? It doesn't I make think, sense. I think the Bulls saw what happened with Milwaukee, and they were like, mm, "Drew Holiday was like the third best player on that team." Mm, Lonzo could do that for sure. <laughs> like, he's just like. Okay, so, like, Drew is, like, a so-so shooter. It's like, oh, so is Lonzo. It's like, oh, man, really good defender, really gritty, got him on there. You can't really run him on ball, but, oh, you got to do it. It's like, oh, great. So he's, like, 25% worse at uh, than Drew Holiday at everything. Like, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, lock me into that. Yeah. No, I don't really get it. Um, I would have been down to, like, have him on our team for, like, $40 million less than he got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 
the other thing with DeRozan. We're talking about player retention, and guys are like, well, you know, you got to understand, you know, with Chicago, they've had a couple down seasons. You maybe have to overpay for a player like DeRozan. It's like, you got to overpay by 40 freaking million dollars? Like... Yeah. My god, dude, 20 he he's making annually 10 million dollars more than Norm Powell. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Woo! I mean, things could always be worse, Hornet fans. I had a nightmare the other day that we signed DeMar DeRozan to 25 and like uh, he, I would actually be disp- I would be like more upset with that than like I mean Phew, any other player, dude. Anything. Like, yeah, it's like we've done this before. The people just forgot because he was in San Antonio. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Like, nobody watching any San Antonio games, and then they're just like, "Oh, Demar Derozan, you don't understand. Like, he's a good player. He can shoot from mid range." Just like, no, when he was in Toronto, we've we've literally done this before. We've had this discussion. Yeah, like he's he can't be a good play- like he's not going to be a great player in the NBA. He's not going to be the second best player on a playoff team. He's he's had one season with a positive uh, on off in his entire career. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. One interesting thing that like I you know because I never imagined uh, he Zach Levine and uh, Lamelo or Lonzo, yeah, God, not Lamelo, Lonzo um, playing on the same team, and it did make me think like you know everyone loves to gush about Lonzo as a passer. Oh man, Lonzo, Ben Simmons, oh they're such great passers. It's like you know what actually counts is being a playmaker, and Demar Derozan is a much worse passer than Lamelo is. But for the fact Lonzo. that uh, yeah, Lonzo, sorry. Um, <laughs> but the fact that defenses actually like look at him when he dribbles the ball just makes him more effective as is. And I will draw this to Lamelo, and that is kind of my fear with him mm. uh, because I think that Lamelo is a better passer than Lonzo, and I think he's a better creator. But it's like if Lamelo cannot get to a point of putting up like over twenty a game on good efficiency, I think the passing will kind of go to waste. I see what you're saying. I also don't have the same concern about him not being able to do that that you have because he did it for a stretch last season and then he got hurt. And I think that like he just will come back to that same level with the season, like an off season um, to train and stuff. Obviously, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what if he doesn't? What if he keeps playing like he did after he got hurt? But I think that realistically, if you're just making an objective projection, you project him to score like 19 points per game next season. I think that's like pretty realistic. Um, the like up the highest possible thing is like twenty one, twenty two, something like that. Um, and then the low end is like exactly where he was his rookie year, probably. And if that happens, then yeah, it's it's a concern going forward. But I don't think you can be like that worried about it right now. I think he showed the ability to get to the rim at times. Um, and if the three point shot is real, which it, which it seemed to be for like a month there, month and a half, uh, again before he got hurt, then he's he's a good scorer. That's very fair, yeah. And I guess, like, the, the floater, because, like, Lonzo just doesn't have any of that. Either. No. Like, yeah, as soon as Lonzo gets in the three-point line, you're like, oh, he's going to pass. Yes. It's like, yeah, we're at least the mellow will take it the rim because he's not a hashtag coward. Right. All right, let's talk about the Knicks real quick. Uh, they signed Kemba Walker, who's had a sad, sad couple years of his career after leaving the Hornets. I was pretty upset when we lost him. We've, we've covered that before. Um, but at this point, obviously, like, pretty happy we did not re-sign him um, and did not offer him the money that people were saying we should have offered him. And at the time, I probably was saying that we were being cheap. But, uh, no, I definitely, wa- I definitely was. So I'll just, I'll just take that one, uh, take that L. And, yeah, it's a, good thing. it's a good thing we didn't pay him a lot of money. Obviously, always pulling for Kemba, like, wherever he is. And with the Knicks, it's a fresh start. And I'll probably pull for him more with the Knicks than I did with the Celtics 
uh, just because who likes the Celtics, right? Um, it's fun to see the Celtics fail. But with the Knicks, I'm I'm here for it. I'm actually here for like the New York kid going back home, um, and I hope I hope he has a good season. Yeah, I think so as well. Like, and I think he actually will have a good season because, like, you know, I'm yeah, I just we hate the Celtics. Right. I love to yeah. like slander them and like. I just thought that they were, like, a brutal watch last year. Like, definitely, like, my bottom five, like, teams I like to watch. Not the biggest uh, Tatum fan. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, Kemba probably averaged around, like, 15, 4, and 4. Like, he averaged, like, almost 20 points a game last year. Like, and granted, that was, like, with serious load management, uh, missing, you know, first couple weeks of the season. But, like, yeah, with Debrose there as the backup and quickly, like, I think that he'll still be able to rest the knee. And, yeah, like, at this point wish nothing but good things for Kemba. Same thing with, like, Malik Monk. Like, you know, anyone that leaves the Hornets, I do, unless they're Nicholas Batum. And I only want Nicholas Batum. Like, I wanted him to eat shit for, like, two weeks, and that'd be fine. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think that the Knicks are super interesting. Uh, I just like the idea of, like, it was fun to watch playoff games at MSG. Like, you know, that crowd was going crazy, even on TV. That's enjoyable. And Nick fans, Nick fans haven't figured out. Like, they're, like, the one franchise in the NBA that, like, they're not sweating about, oh, well, we're not going to win the championship with the team. They don't care. They're like, dude, we're going to win 47 games. This is going to be sick. Yeah. And, like, I think that Hornets fans and really every fan base could just learn from Nick fans. Like, be a little crazy, but just just enjoy the February wins. Right. Now, this team that we're about to have is going to be, hopefully, like, one of the most fun teams in the NBA. Like, objectively, one of the most yeah. fun teams to watch. And I'm here for it. We're not going to win the finals this year. We're not going to make the Eastern Conference finals this year. I'll leave the door open for the semis. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And the Knicks are in a similar boat. We got Kemba coming back. We'll see. We'll see how the Knicks do this season. I'm a little bit lower on them than you are, I think. Um, the Kemba and Fournier, like, just going from Boston, taking a quick train ride <laughs> over to New York. I don't know, I don't know about that one. Uh, Fournier is one of my least favorite players Ooh. in the NBA for some reason. Never seen Fournier score more than 12 points in a game. Right, exactly. He just is a solid 12, but like 4 for 8 from 2, 0 oh for 2 from 3, like 4 free throws. That's how he got 12. Like, man, but those 4 assists were like great. Granted, they were all 2-point mid-range shots, but man, those 2 assists. Uh, there's that. There's also uh, Nerlens Noel. I thought that I was like, man, maybe we can get Nerlens on like a two-year, $10 million deal. No, not the case. Signed for like three years, $30 million. Yeah. Definitely was not going to happen for us. Yeah, he had a great season. He's a good shot blocker for sure. Yeah, and, you know, they won't give us Mitchell Robinson. But you know what they did do? They traded us the pick, became Kai, a.k.a. Kevin Durant Jones. So we're Nick fans by association, just since they gave us that gem. All right, Tim has now mentioned Kai Jones at least like five times on the podcast and has not mentioned James Booknight like at all. <laughs> Tim's like refusing to accept the Bitch body tra- book. No, no, come on. Come on, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and just, I like Kai Jones too, but I'm going to, you know, for, for the fun of the podcast, I'm going to just take James Booknight. He's my rookie, all right? He's mine. If, if yeah. he does well on the team, can't take credit for it. If Kai Jones does well on the team, you can have all the credit. All right, Ooh, all right. James Bug Knight is mine. Uh, I've been I've been calling calling him out for like being like very good since uh, I calling him out. That was the wrong way to put it, but you know I've been shouting shout him out. Yeah, from the beginning of the uh, draft pre draft process. So yeah. Also, I guess I should actually like swap out. Uh, Terry with Book Knight for that transition lineup. 
Because, like, yeah, I'm not, like, yeah, maybe I'm more on the Kai Jones at this point, you know, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little hurt by book night motioning Monk out of town, but, right. uh, yeah, he's also going to be, like, extremely exciting along with Ubre and Jones, like, he's going to be a monster in transition, like, he's going to have some great putback dunks, like, he's another athletic freak, even though he's probably, like, 108 pounds, but yeah. No, and he had he had that crazy alley oop that I posted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's he's gonna be a high flyer too. So the the lineup of Lamelo, Book Knight, aka Book, uh, Kelly Oubre, Miles Bridges, and Kai Jones. That is a crazy lineup with Lamelo just throwing lobs to all of them. And I also when you when you brought up the transition lineup earlier, I thought about this. Like Terry Rozier cannot throw lobs, right? Ooh, no. One yeah. of the worst lob throws around. All right, you want to talk about heat culture real quick? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, anyone that's listened to this podcast for a while knows that I uh, love to slander the heat. And, uh, yeah. Is it really heat culture if Duncan Robinson's not willing to take a pay cut? If that culture was real, Duncan would look at Pat Riley, kiss the ring, and say, I'll take a three-year minimum. <laughs> but no, he extracted the five-year, $90 million deal they gave Jimmy Butler a supermax. They pushed Andre Iguodala, known team chemist, out of town. Uh, you know, uh, Bam Adebayo was struggling to get minutes on the Olympic team because he's not truly a team player. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all just a myth. And uh, I love to I love to bash on him, but you know what? And it's easy to make fun of Pat Riley and Spolstra for you know. Oh, they paid Kelly Olynyk all this money. Oh my God! Like you know, that summer of 2017 with James Johnson, Dion, or Dion Waiters. But uh, you know, I wish that the Hornets had the balls and the uh, pocket purse to give Malik Monk three years, thirty million dollars. Like the Heat, they they got swept in the first round of the playoffs, <laughs> and, and they just, just running it back. <laughs> yeah, and they were just like, oh yeah, we're we're fucking contenders. Let's spend mm. a quarter of a billion dollars real quick and like we could have made the playoffs and like made a little bit of noise we're like oh no Devonte graham oh that's too expensive oh no we'll just bring in ishman oh no malik monk we can't oh no we wouldn't want to even get near the tax line it's like you cowards like i want to just bash on the heat all i can but they at least put their money where their mouth is they went out there and did it and people might make fun of the duncan robinson contract like they did the davis bertans contract this year but like they actually retain the player. Like, they're the Heat aren't like, oh my god, how are we going to acquire players next year? They're just going to get it done. So don't be cowards, Hornet fans. To push back, though, just a little bit, we should maybe uh, not go all in right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. But, you know, like, the Heat, I mean, they go all in. Like, they're going to be, like, throwing a parade if they get to the second round and get washed in five games. True. Like, I mean, that's $85 million for Lowry, $90 million for uh Duncan Robinson. D Rob. He needs a nickname. D Rob. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to figure one out there. But uh yeah, if anyone has any recommendations, feel free to email that at hornetsandheartbreak at gmail.com. Once again, hornetsandheartbreak at gmail.com. Alright, you ready for song of the week? Let's do it. Alright, so for song of the week this week, I just have an artist of the week, alright? Olivia Rodrigo. Go listen to her most recent album, Sour. Um, I discovered her, like, I think it was, like, Monday of this week. The first time I ever heard in the live, or, well, not the first time I ever heard one of her songs, but the first time I knew that it was her, because I was driving, um, and my phone was dead, so I was listening to the radio, 
I was coming back from like downtown Charlotte, so it was taking taking me a minute, and I heard two of our songs um, on the way back, and I made a note of both of the songs like in my phone. I was like, oh, go listen to these, like add these on Spotify, because I couldn't do it immediately, right? <laughs> and they both were her, and I didn't know they both were her. I thought they were both like two different artists, and they both were her. So then I started doing a deep dive. Listen, everybody. This is the next Taylor Swift, except greater than Taylor Swift. I'm going bold here. She's going to be one of the best artists of uh, all time. Uh, Gen Z queen, Olivia Rodrigo. The song of the week specifically is Good For You. Uh, That's her best song. It's not Driver's License. It's Good For You. Uh, And yeah, she's very good. Very diverse album. The uh, theme of the album is just like a bad break up with this one dude and every single song is about that kind of strikes me as a little bit strange or it strikes you as a little bit strange at first but then you're like you know what i'm here for it i'm here for the whole she she's like a an 18 year old going through right breakups you're like oh man this is this is great yeah yeah Yeah, no I'm, i'm here for it and uh yeah very good album can't wait to see what she does next the diversity of the songs is is impressive like she has like you know slow like ballads or whatever the word is, uh, and then also just like kind of like punk rock vibey songs. Yeah, like brutal, brutal is like a big time like Courtney Barnett like punk rock style mm-hmm. track. Yeah, very good. The lyrics are like very funny, very self aware, tongue in cheek, and yeah, the production's great, man. She, and she has a, she's like a she's like a much better singer. Than Taylor Swift, Ooh, right? Yeah. Right now, like I, this, this feels like watching myself tell people, you know, Malik Monk's definitely gonna be the <laughs> like, step. You know, like, yeah, but you know, but you might actually be right. Yeah, this is my bold take. I don't know, man. I'm all in. She's gonna be my number one artist on Spotify this year. I'm not <laughs> even ashamed. Um, I'm all in on the Olivia Rodrigo hype. I'm happy. I'm happy. I found her. Uh, and yeah, that Tim, Tim, also your song of the week, maybe is something I, I, I texted Tim earlier this week and I was like, yo, like I got an artist of the week this week. He was like, who is it? And I was like, I'm gonna wait to tell you. And then like two hours later, I was like, all right, it's Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) (laughs) Unprompted. Just like, just had to let me know. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, she's, she's awesome. So Tim, also a fan. Uh, let us know your favorite Olivia Rodrigo song. (laughs) Whether or not we should make this a weekly segment, I'm here for it. Just, yeah, just strictly Olivia. Uh, Olivia. Um, I, I have something kind of definitely different. Uh, free jazz guitar player, Sonny Chirac. Um, you know, great. Any uh, Miles Davis fans out there, he played on the uh, Jack Johnson album. Uh, Sonny Chirac, trailblazing free jazz guitar player. And the song to listen to is Who Does She Hope To Be? With Elvin Jones on the drums, obviously known for his work with John Coltrane, and Pharaoh Sanders on the sax, uh, great free jazz player in his own right, uh, great just like little mournful track, and just great to walk around to at dusk and or uh, read some Catcher in the Rye to if you're a total dweeb. Uh, Sonny Chirac rips it up, uh, plays on like three volume, and just uh, tears it up. One of the best guitar players of all time. Check it out. All right, looking forward to some Summer League games. We'll get some coverage of that in next week. Shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, Melvin Todd, Tim Rogers, Xavier Harvin, TC Cunningham, Isaac Black, Brandon Garcia, Austin Johnson, Rob McMillan, Evan Georges, and Kaylin Furland. Thanks, everybody, for the continued support. Uh, it means a lot. We're moving up in the world. First episode recorded in person ever. We got the studio up in here. We got the two mics set up. We got the water bottles going. 
The Miller lights going. We got the we got the whiteboard. It, it's looking good. Uh, you can check it out on Instagram at Hornets Podcast and email us at hornetsandheartbreak at gmail.com with any questions or inquiries. Yeah, thank you once again, everyone that took the time to listen to this episode and everyone that's taken the time to uh, share with a friend. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. It really means the world to us. And uh, thank you for listening to another episode. All right, Tim, it's been real, bro. It's been real, Liquor Mark. Be safe out there. Peace. Peace.